Good morning. How are you, everybody at Tallapoosa First Baptist? It's so good to see you. It's good to have our guests with us as well. I even see some girls back there, at least one that I taught, and her twin sister. Although, I don't think you would say that they're completely twins, but we've got Shaylin and Layla back there with Addie smack, smack dab in the middle. It's good to have you girls with us here this morning. Uh, Lowell White. It's good to see you, sir. It is so good to see you. I need to talk with you uh, before you leave. Okay, I, I want to talk to you. <laughs> well, it's a memorable face, Lowell. <laughs> you are a memorable man. I can't. What else can I say? But at any rate, folks, I'm glad you are here to worship with us this morning. We have an exciting. Uh, some exciting things that are going to happen here in worship today. So I invite you to prepare your hearts as we go to the Lord in prayer for worship this morning. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to you, Lord, dear Lord, it's been a hard week. Dear Lord, been many questions, many people. And dear Lord, I pray for, I pray for them. I pray for, I pray for the, the questions that are coming and uh, the questions that remain unanswered. Dear Lord, I pray for pray pray for the people that have had surgery this week. Dear Lord, I pray and ask you, dear Lord, just continue to be with them. Dear Lord, it's so good to see Mr. Lowell White here with us this morning in worship. Dear Lord, you know what he is going through. I continue to pray your grace and your mercy and your long suffering in his direction. Dear Lord, continue to lift up Philip and his family. Dear Lord, with the good numbers that we're we're hearing or appear to be turning in the right direction. I pray, dear Lord, you'll continue to work in his life. I pray, dear Lord, that we will not only allow you to work in our life, but I pray that we will shout it from the rooftops, that we will share with people what you are doing, even in the midst of difficulties in the midst of our life, dear Lord, that we would share it with others so that they might know that we believe in you no matter what the circumstances are. So, dear Lord, as we come together corporately here this morning, Lord, I ask you to forgive us where we might have failed you this week, where I have failed you this week. And dear Lord, I ask you to just allow me to have an encounter with you here this morning, dear Lord, that is powerful and transformational in my life. Dear Lord, I pray that you prepare me for the week to come. I pray in these next few minutes over the next hour, dear Lord, that my focus will be upon you and you alone. And dear Lord, that I will worship you here in this place. With my voice, with my hands, with my tears, with my heart. Go with us now, Lord, that all that we do bring praise, honor, and glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Doc. You're the loudest one in here. Let's all stand. When the roll is called up yonder. trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair when the saving earth shall gather over on the other shore and the roll is called up yonder I'll be there when the 
all the people that are here, please bless them. Please bless the ones that are not able to be here with us. And let us open our hearts, Lord, and let us hear the messages that are brought to us to prepare for. Um, Lord, please accept this offering and proceed to the program. sunlight. Y'all look so warm over on that pew. Y'all all huddled up over. Y'all think it's cold or something? <laughs> <laughs> Walking in sunlight all of my journey over the mountains through the deep hell. Jesus has said I'll never forsake thee divine that never can fail. Heavenly sunlight, heavenly sunlight, flooding my soul with glory divine. Hallelujah. I am rejoicing, singing His praises. Jesus is mine. Shadows around me, shadows above me, never conceal Savior and God, He is a light, in Him is no darkness, ever I'm walking, heavenly sunlight, heavenly sunlight, flooding my soul with glory divine, hallelujah, I am rejoicing, singing His praises, Jesus is in the bright sunlight, ever rejoicing, pressing my way to mansions above, singing His praises, gladly I'm walking, walking in sunlight, sunlight of love, heavenly sunlight, heavenly sunlight, flooding my soul with glory so sweet to trust in Jesus. And after this song, we got a special. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just 
Bremen, Georgia, and I got to know this lady through one of my jobs I had. She could sing. So I've been after her now for a couple months to come sing for us. It's Donna Pruitt's her name. It is Andy's mother, and she can really sing uh, and play a piano. So I want y'all to make Miss Donna welcome this time. Come on, Miss Donna. David, you want to help her? <laughs>
About uh, five years ago, I got transferred from our Harrelson office up to our Polk office. But a lot of y'all may not realize this, but Donna keeps our Harrelson district attorney's office in fine working order most days of the week. And we work together for so long, and I don't get to see her as much, just about once or twice a month. But she's a very special person and, and does so much keeping the district attorney's office running day to day. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, back during COVID, I did a, when we were doing our Wednesday night, um, Zoom or not Zoom and YouTube and from my front yard, I did, I did a little series on the Holy Ghost and how I tried to equate that to our internal GPS and how GPS is guide you around. Well, back around the first of the year, me, you know, I, went with the middle schoolers down on the manatee trip. And I learned one of the coolest facts I've ever learned about any animal when we were on that trip. And when you think of a, a manatee, you think of this big, fat sea cow animal. It weighs 13, 1,400 pounds, right? I mean, they're big. They're like, you know, 10 feet long or something and weigh over half a ton. But they, they're warm-blooded, and they have zero blubber. All they have is skin. There's nothing keeping them warm. And at 68 degrees, they develop hypothermia. And I was like, well, I mean, water's cold. I mean, it's, it's colder than that, you know, out in the ocean. How do they, you know, stay warm? Well, the, the captain of one of the boats we were on starts explaining that all the underground water in central Florida, every spring, inland towards Orlando, all the way out to the edge, all that water that's coming out of the spring is a constant 72 degrees year-round. 72, 72, 72. And at any point, if the water drops below 68, wherever the manatee is, they instantly start developing hypothermia. So what they have to do is go in, inland up these rivers into these bays to find these springs and sit over these springs that's pumping out 72-degree water. And they do this year-round. And I said, well, how do they, you know, if they're two miles offshore, three miles, five miles offshore, and here comes a cold front, because that day we were swimming with the manatees, the air temperature was 39. And... <laughs> And I said, how, how do they know? And he said, well, um, they, ha they literally have an internal barometer. And they feel the water pressure and they can float to the, uh, float to the surface and feel the air pressure. And just like a barometer, they know three or four days in advance of when a cold front is coming that they know it's time to head to the springs. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I guess... Old people, you know, when it's about to start raining with your hips or something. I don't know. I don't know anything about that yet. Oh, my. <laughs> but just but, throw Timmy Miller's name out there. <laughs> but, but they know days, days in advance of when these cold fronts are coming through. And they know that, that that's when it's time to seek refuge, time to seek safety. And... Um, it, it just started making me think, how many times have we, you've got that feeling that, hey, it's, 
it's time to seek safety. It's time to, time to do something here, and we don't do it. Um, but the manatees, if they don't heed that internal barometer, they die. They, they, they get hung out and they die um, because their bodies just can't handle it. But God, you know, through that Holy Spirit, he, he gives us these signals all day, every day. I mean, maybe it's to, you know, time to get out of this situation or maybe, hey, we need to go visit that person or, you know, hey, I need to go here this afternoon or I need to stay away from that spot or, you know. Uh, but if we start becoming in tune with that, that Holy Spirit, listening to it throughout the day, the same way those manatees have to pay attention to that, that uh, barometric pressure, it's amazing how much better we can you know, live as Christians, how much you know, stronger we become. Um, and that's where you know, the manatees do, that's where they socialize um, that's where they give birth. That's where they, you know, become herds or packs or however they, they travel. They meet at these springs and go out and come back. And I, I always think, you know, this, I've, I've kind of equated this church, you know, the church or the group of people, you know, we're sort of that spring. When everything things go right, you come back, you, you, you get back leveled off, and then you venture back out into, into the world. But um, with all that stated, Whenever you start feeling something's a little weird, something's a little weird, you need to you know, listen to that Holy Spirit and get that good base and get that temperature leveled off good. Um, with that said, if there's anybody under f- four, do we have any children? No, we do. Oh, there's some. Going with Miss Ashley and... Just Miss Ashley. All right. Follow Miss Ashley. And, oh, we got some more volunteers going out the back. Oh, yeah, now they don't even want to look. They're just like, don't talk about us. Yeah, she's got other places to do. You are the man, Jason. Thank you, buddy. You know, you're talking about the uh, manatees not too long ago. I guess it's ever since you guys got back. Uh, there was a special that came on that I was watching about the manatees in that all of the uh, algae and due to uh, oil spills and things like that in the Gulf region, it is keeping the underwater seawater or the seagrass from growing. And so thousands of acres of seagrass that these manatees feast on are, of course, you can't get sun down to the depths. Of course, those organisms that plant life cannot grow. So just a little bit more onto that is, you know, we need the Word of God to feed us. We need to be fed by the Word of God. Well, uh, I want you to take your Bibles. I invite you to turn to John chapter 4. Uh, actually, John chapter 3. I've got my turn to chapter 4. I want you to look at chapter 3. Last week, we talked about... We talked about Jesus and as he met this woman from Samaria. And if there was one thing that I had wanted to leave with you last week, this week we're going to talk about are you too religious to follow Jesus. Last week I would, I would end that sermon by asking you, are you too Christian to follow Jesus? Because after all, the d- disciples were there with Jesus and 
They were being good followers. They were good Jews. And then they were taken to a holy moment. And then their hunger got the best of them. They went off and they missed it because of their, their Judaism. So we can look at and ask last week, are you too Christian to follow Jesus? This week I want to look and ask a question, are you too religious to follow Jesus? I want to uh, read John 3, 1 through 11. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus looked and answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus looking at Nicodemus once again saying, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you a teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. You know, I want you to look back there in uh, the first part of chapter 3. I want to point out some literary structure here, if you will, some of the things I like to do, and I know it probably bore you to death if you were to look at my sermon notes and things of that nature, at my freehand stuff, at, or, looking at sentences, breaking them down into phrases and things like that. It's just something that I do to help me understand the structure. But I want you to look at this whole encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus as being a transformational uh, relationship that is occurring right before our eyes. Of course, it began some time ago. This was not the first time that Jesus introduced Himself to Nicodemus, but this is the first time that Jesus and Nicodemus sat down together without anyone else around to talk. I do want you to look at uh, verse number 2. I'll start off by telling you in the middle of this transformational relationship, there was a daring late night meeting. I mean, it's daring on Nicodemus's part. Here he is. He starts by telling us that Jesus, uh, he starts by telling Jesus a statement of belief, his statement of belief. You are a teacher come from God. No one can do these things unless God is with him. Now, I want you to notice what he did not say. Then I want you to notice what he said. From our perspective, hopefully from our understanding of who Jesus is, we look and we would say, you are the Savior. You're not just a teacher. 
You're the Savior. But Nicodemus, even seeing all the miracles that Jesus had performed up to this point, he looks and he says, you are a teacher. You are a teacher come from God. No one can do these things unless God is with him. That is what he, that's what he experienced. That's what he's seen. That's what he has touched. And that's what his eyes uh, have seen in front of him. That he is a teacher come from God, not the Savior, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. Nor he recognizes him as being God is in him instead of recognizes him as God with us. I need you to understand Nicodemus's his outlook, his worldview. His worldview was not that that we would have. So there's this daring late night meeting where he and Nicodemus goes to meet Jesus and he starts off by telling Jesus his statement of belief. I want you to know up front, Jesus, I've been following from a distance. I believe that you're a teacher come from God and I believe that God is with you. Look what Jesus does. We have this daring late night meeting countered with this demanding late night challenge, which is in verse number three. Jesus doesn't Jesus doesn't open up and say, well, that's some awesome thoughts you got there, Nicodemus. <laughs> he doesn't do that. He looks at Nicodemus and he says, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then we see not only the demanding late night challenge that Jesus offers or that he presents to Nicodemus there in verse number three, we immediately see in verse number four that Nicodemus has some difficulty understanding that challenge because he says, how can a person enter his mother's womb when he is old? If you look at verses five through seven again, you see the demanding late night challenge once again. I want you to see how it parallels that that Jesus offered him in verse 3. So we've got verse 3, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The second time of reiterating the demanding late night challenge, which is in verse 5 through 7, Jesus says, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus goes on in these noun phrases, that which has been born of flesh is flesh. He is, he is going out a little bit further and explaining to Nicodemus what he is referring to. That which has been born of flesh is flesh, Nicodemus. I'm not talking about your flesh, Nicodemus. I'm talking about that which has been born of spirit is spirit. After Jesus tells him this, he looks at Jesus looks at Nicodemus after reiterating this demanding late night challenge. And he says, Jesus says to Nicodemus, do not be amazed. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. And then we see once again in verse number nine, the question that Nicodemus said first, of course, in verse number four, he just says it a different way, this difficulty of understanding what Jesus is saying. He looks at Jesus and he says, how can these things be? How can they be? I just don't understand what you're talking about, Jesus. I don't understand. And then in verses 10 through 11, I want you to see the dilemma of religion. Jesus looks at him and he says, after Nicodemus has said, how can these things be? 
The dilemma of religion, verses 10 and 11. Jesus looks at Nicodemus and He says, You, sir, are a teacher of Israel, and yet you don't understand these things. You are a teacher of Israel. You are a Pharisee of Pharisees. You are a member of the Sanhedrin. You are a Jewish ruler. And you don't understand what I'm talking about. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen. This is what Jesus is saying. I speak to you of what we know and what we have seen. Look at that last phrase. And you people do not accept our testimony. There it is. There it is in a nutshell. You have a late night daring late night meeting. You have a, a demanding late night challenge. You have a difficulty of understanding that challenge. And that is done once more. Goes back into the demanding late night challenge and the difficulty of understanding that challenge. And then it comes to what I believe Jesus really wanted to get to with Nicodemus, which was this dilemma of religion. This dilemma of his religion and how his presuppositions that he was bringing into enforcing uh, upon Jesus himself. And I think this is where Jesus wanted him to get, where he wanted to lead Nicodemus to. So, as you're thinking and as you're watching this video clip, it's about nine minutes long, and I know you're thinking, why is he doing this? I want you to see it through dramatic illustration, and I want you to think of these things. I want you to think, I want you to think of this demanding late night challenge, the difficulty of understanding this challenge. And I want you to understand or look at it from Nicodemus's perspective. Would you hit play, please? Unless he is born again. 
But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Have you ever heard anything like this before? Leather? Mary? That day? I told my wife and my students she was beyond human aid. Only God could have healed her. And then I saw her. He one of the things that gets me when I watch these dramatizations 
is that I, I don't make G- Jesus human enough. I do not see him as somebody who will sit down at my table or that I could sit down at his table. He would laugh with me. He would joke with me. Even maybe poke fun at me. Some like my students do when they come down in, in the morning and I'm sitting there with them. We kind of poke fun at each other. I tend to believe that many times on this side of the death, burial, crucifixion, we don't humanize Him enough. What stuck out to you? Here are some things that stuck out to me. The thing that stuck out really prominent to me is that Jesus was telling Nicodemus, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Folks, I don't understand the ways of God, but I know what it is like to sit there with Jesus and hear those words, I'm sorry to disappoint I wonder if there's someone here this morning that might have heard those words before. I wonder, I wonder if, have you ever had an an encounter with Jesus the way that Nicodemus did? Or do we just come down and we pray as though He's nowhere around or we got to reach up to to the highest heavens by shouting or whatever? Whatever is your history, instead of just seeing him as a man sitting down having a conversation the way you did with Nicodemus. Much like we did this morning, John and Casey. I know you have not seen Jesus with your own eyes. But have you ever known that you were in the presence of Jesus? Have you ever felt His presence? Have you ever felt the presence of the Holy Spirit bearing upon you, your family, or a group of people at a specific point in time? Have you ever felt that presence? Have you ever approached Jesus alone in the darkness of night, or yet even in the lightness of day? Have you spent any length of time with Jesus the way Nicodemus did on this night? You know, our society prizes hard work, busyness, and entertainment. If you were to sit down in the boat time talking to Jesus or spending time with Jesus, how would that interfere with your schedule? What might your friends, your coworkers, your family say about you spending time with Jesus? I wonder if that might be the reason why Nicodemus went to Jesus by night. He was worried what other people were going to say about seeing him with Jesus. If you were to sit down and spend time with Jesus, what would he say to you that would challenge your spirituality? What is it that he might say? And I dare to say to you that as I've thought about this over the whole week, that is what keeps many of us from approaching Jesus in this way. Because we are terrified at what he might say. We are terrified in how He may challenge our faith. I 
Are we afraid that what Jesus might say to us in the conversational tone, that it would completely amaze us? Are we afraid of what He might demand of us? Is there anything that He would ask of you that would cause you to hesitate the way Nicodemus did? Did you see the hesitation? Did you see Him lay out the challenge? He laid it out there, plain and simple. We're going to leave. We're going to leave. We're going to leave by the well at such and such a time. I invite you to come with me. Nicodemus started going through his checklist. I'm advanced in years. I am... I have a family. Remember the Sanhedrin. I am a Pharisee. I've got all this going for me. Yet you want me to go live a nomadic lifestyle? Do we hesitate the way Nicodemus hesitates? Have you ever hesitated the way Nicodemus hesitated? I'll be the first to tell you I do. I'm not happy about it. As I look at Nicodemus and see his religion, I see the checklist of things that he does and he goes through. I've written here, honestly, I find it easier. It's easier for me just to come to church at least once a week, to listen to people talk about the Bible, to put money in the offering plate, sing, pray, and leave than to follow Jesus daily. It is easy to follow religion. But Jesus here in this moment with Nicodemus, He puts it all on the line. He challenges Nicodemus' religious identity. He said, are you going to trust in your identity of your religion? Or are you going to trust in my identity as being the Son of God? He goes on, and it's a, it's a passage of Scripture from Mark chapter 8. What is it if you were to gain the whole world and lose your soul? Folks, I want you to ask this question. I want you to look down. I want you to dig deep this morning. I want you to have a, a look at yourself Have we hesitated? Do you hesitate the way Nicodemus does? What sticks out to me as I watch the Chosen's dramatic depiction is that Jesus is asking Nicodemus whether he is going to follow his religion or the Son of God. The ending is pivotal to this understanding. Nicodemus appears to have so much at stake to simply unplug his life and to follow Jesus. It is as though Nicodemus is looking at Jesus in that moment. He realizes, he says, my heart. Who, who, who do you say that I am in your heart? My heart is warm. My heart says that you are the one. But my mind, my mind and my identity and what I am doing. It's as if, as if Jesus is asking Nicodemus to sacrifice his identity. To follow Him. But isn't that what He is doing? 
Maybe that's why many of us are too afraid to enter into a discussion or uh, an encounter with Jesus like this. Because we are afraid that He may ask us the very same thing. To sacrifice our, our, our identity to follow His identity. Robin, as you come, Scott, as we stand and, and get ready this morning, as you see Nicodemus, as you witness him hesitate in this dramatic portrayal, as Jesus explains where and when he will be leaving, if you want to go with me, Nicodemus, the offer is open. I too have heard that call. Have you? <laughs> it's a call that comes to me every morning. It is a call on some mornings that I turn around and I do not follow. I have to be honest with you. There are times I get to the school, you got kids acting in like kids do. You know what I'm talking about. You raise these little monsters. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You get to work and uh, the road blows up in front of you, John Case. That's happened to you before, and you're like, "What in the world, Lord? Just a little help here, a little help from a little help from you would go a long way today, Lord." But you know what I'm talking about, folks. Jesus wants to sit down with you and have a conversation the way He did Nicodemus, and it's in those relationships, it is in those interactions that we have with Him. We do not need to be afraid to enter into. We don't, we don't need to see Jesus as this distant God that doesn't want to relate to us in that way. We need to embrace that part of who Jesus is and have discussions with Him as though we would our spouse or our children. He wants that type of relationship with you. But it is a daily choice. In Baptist life, we say many times, you get saved, great. We don't, never talk about what to do past salvation, of how to follow Jesus on a daily basis. We look at it, get saved, and everything's fine. You don't have to worry about anything again. There's more to that. There's this idea of following Jesus daily that we need to talk about. And every day is a day that we decide to follow Jesus. Every day when we get up, we have this interaction with Jesus, and we... I hope we are willing to hear what He might say to us on this day. When I get up in the morning and I sit down and I start to talk and I pray and I'm reading my devotionals, try to listen to see what Jesus might say to me tomorrow when I do that. Folks, I invite you to come to the table and sit down and to listen to what Jesus would say. And I pray that as you listen, that you will not be too religious to follow. Let's say. Stay.